0: But having said all that,
1: ooh, <sighs> yawn.
0: Yawn along with Sean today. Indeed.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. Oh, I think I was a skoosh early on that, but
0: that's okay. Uh oh. Yeah. So, welcome again, everybody, to another action... Pa- oh, wait a minute.
1: What, what's going on here? Why Why did you stop?
0: Oh, yeah, well, getting an inspiration from last week's episode, where uh, we had a special... Well, you partook of the services of ChatGPT to do an intro to the show. Uh, yep. I decided to do one, and uh, here we go. Oh, okay. <clears throat> this is in the style of The Lord of the Rings. Oh, In the land of podcasting, there lies a show known as the Pie Factory Podcast. It is a tale of two brave hobbits, Sean and Jim, who journey through the mystical world of classic arcade games. Their quest takes them through treacherous levels, battling fierce foes such as Donkey Kong and Pac-Man as they strive to achieve the ultimate goal of reaching the high score. With each episode, they share their wisdom. I can't say this. They share their wisdom and experiences, imparting valuable knowledge to their listeners. The Pie Factory Podcast is a testament to the spirit of adventure and the love of classic gaming. As Sean and Jim guide their audience through the twists and turns of their epic quest, so come gather round the virtual campfire and join them on their journey. For the tales they spin are ones for the ages. Well, all right then, <laughs> wisdom. <laughs> So, Pie Factory Podcast, yada, 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 this is Jim. Uh, so, hi, Sean. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's that's who I am. I'm Sean, and it's episode uh, 137, I believe.
0: Uh, I believe you're right. And Ooh. I said, hi, Sean, but unfortunately it's uh, 422, not uh, 420, so. Oh, yeah, we're recording so this on uh, National Beagle Day. Oh, yes, and mm. uh, you're the proud owner of a beagle. No, the beagle owns me. Oh, that's right. Nobody and, owns uh, a beagle. And I did not realize this, but a friend of the show, uh, Bill Pepper, uh, has a Puggle, part Pug, part Beagle.
1: I believe that there are two Puggles at the Pepper residence, actually. The thing is, one is more Pug than Beagle, the other is more Beagle than
0: Pug. And he shared the more Beagle than Pug one today Yeah, on his Twitter feed, which he's not verified, so I don't know if it's Hmm. him or not. Yeah, that's true. Could be be someone else. You never know. Could be a faux carnival of glee hmm. uh-oh a fair of glee maybe hmm. or a carnival of uh, of glee if it's uh french huh so or something so how are you
1: <laughs> <laughs> how am i that is a wonderful question jimmy g um, well
0: i'm glad i asked it then
1: as of uh, about six days ago covid free yay a week before that uh not covid free <laughs> yeah i i suspect that i picked it up in uh, bourbon street in the french quarter cuz we took a little trip to new orleans and uh the day we came back home i started feeling weird and uh, mm-hmm. took the test and i had the little two little horizontal lines on the th- actually no no a line has no beginning and has no end they were actually segments, not lines, pardon me. And uh, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, from my experience, it was by far not the worst I've ever felt, by very far, but it but, still sucked. It, it still sucked.
0: But I you like were vaccinated, sick. and it's been so far down the line that it's very possible, too, that the virus has gotten uh, tamer, for lack of a better word. It could be, but
1: keep in mind, there are still people getting seriously ill and dying from it. I'm just oh, yeah. fortunate that... I'm in relatively good health despite my weight. Uh, And because of my weight, I was prescribed Paxlovid, So, uh, that killed my sense of taste for about a week. Yeah. So that was fun. I, my, my whole mouth tasted like rusted metal and it was very, I couldn't enjoy my Easter dinner. Mm. So I need a do over. I couldn't enjoy the pralines that we brought back from new Orleans. So I had to order some more so I could have a do over, Mm -hmm. but yeah. And, uh, did you have so, beignets yeah. when you were down there? No, I. Here's the thing. Everybody Cafe asks about those. Everybody says, "Oh, you got to try the bit." No, I don't got to try them. I mean, you know why? Because I do not like fried dough. I don't. Oh, really? I did not I, know this. Oh, yeah. It's so dry, and it's like, yeah. I don't like beignets. I don't like elephant ears. I don't like funnel cakes. No. I love funnel cakes
0: and elephant ears. And oh, what drove and me nuts is uh, and donuts.
1: What drove me nuts is that when I lived in New Jersey, there was a really nice uh, pizza joint uh, Mm -hmm. just a couple of blocks away from where we lived. They sold Mm -hmm. uh, personal-sized pizzas. The problem is, if you ordered a pizza, they would throw like 8,000 Zeppelis in with it. What's a Zeppeli? It's another form of fried dough Ah. with uh,
0: powdered sugar on it. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, every pizza is a personal pizza if you believe in yourself and try hard.
1: That is extremely true that's very true
0: yeah i've had a 16 inch personal pizza before oh man i i i i can eat a lot i wasn't feeling good the next day maybe it was a fork well yeah there you go like that Um, matters (laughs) good night but well my wife and daughter went down to new Orleans nolens a few years ago and uh they brought back some beignet mix and we made some. I'm cream.
1: surprised at how much I did not eat down there because that, that is a really? dangerous place to go if you're trying not to eat a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I hear that the, the two oh. worst cities uh, to go to if you're on a diet are New Orleans and Chicago. And next in line, Austin. Really? There's a lot of amazing
1: Tex-Mex down there. Oh,
0: You know what we should do is we should go down to visit uh, our friend down in, uh, in uh, Fort Worth. And then drive down to Austin. It's only about like a six-hour drive from Fort Worth. And just spend some time out there with them. We should do that. There are a lot of things we should do. Yeah, I should win the lotto someday, but that hasn't happened yet.
1: Exactly. And uh, after we got back from New Orleans and after I was... Because what what happened was the doctor told me that on day five, the day after day five, this the first day of your symptoms in COVID is considered day zero. The doctor told me day five is basically... The last day you have to be in isolation, assuming Mm -hmm. that your symptoms are getting better. So, on day six, I got a new bike. Yay! I got that going for me. It's either yay or oh no, because uh, that meant a lot of money I had to spend. And also, it meant that my old bike, uh, whom I named Sid, uh, was no longer uh, viable uh, means of transportation. Because, uh, well, I noticed there was some crackage in the frame right around the seat post mm-hmm. which I blame on two things number one, I had that seat pretty high up and the seat post itself might not have been long enough for that frame to support it so it probably like bent the frame a little bit plus of course my weight was no help either. but I took the bike in I, I had to well I didn't have to but I biked to work one day. I usually work at home but uh... I think it was like the CEO's last day or something. So I figured I'd better just go in for the company meeting and stuff, you know, see him off and everything. Mm -hmm. And on the way home, I stopped off at Village Cycle Center, which we mentioned in our uh, special one-off biking episode.
0: We mentioned them quite a bit too, yeah, outside that episode.
1: Yeah. And I had them look at the frame. I said, is there anything that could be done? Can it be fixed? Can it be replaced Can, or is it worth it to be replaced? They're so like, well, yeah, your bike's not made anymore they don 't make that model anymore, and even then it's not worth replacing the frame it's more economical just to get a new bike, so that's yeah, what I would I imagine,
0: did. yeah,
1: so yeah, and actually i was I rode about two and a half miles today, so yeah really, yeah
0: you're quite a few miles ahead of me I've only got one and a half miles this year so far, I mean a mm-hmm. week ago, I went fifteen
1: miles, but that was a week ago. I, <sighs> I think Thing is, I used to do that kind of. Tr- I used to do like seventeen miles round trip between seventeen and nineteen miles round trip, almost every day when mm-hmm. I actually had an office to go into. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, technically I could go into the office, but I'm I, I work from home. It's I nice work out
0: at the home. Yeah,
1: but yeah, I got I got the new bike, and um, the obvious question that you're probably going to ask when you're asking how I'm doing. Is have I played a lot of video games lately? And unfortunately, the answer is no. I've just been really focusing on the stuff we're talking about for this episode. I mm-hmm. I was gonna go to Underground Retrocade the day before Easter, that is non Orthodox Easter. But when you have COVID and you're told stay home, don't go out in public, <laughs> and plus um I kind of care about scott's customers and
0: i don't want to spread Mm-mm. diseases to them so right you know how that goes i did Oh very know, magnanimous so. of you yeah 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 i just wanted to say magnanimous magnanimous
1: and that's the kind of guy i am i i when i get sick I, I, oh i was gonna say i don't spread it to other people but there was one time when i got sick i tried to spread it to a couple of other people that i did not like but oh, I don't know if I was successful in it because they worked on a different floor. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, it was about 15 years ago. I had walking pneumonia actually It turned out, but there were these people, these stockbrokers who worked on a different floor in the same oh, building geez. who were just total douchebags. Oh my goodness. They had the entire fourth floor, I think. So I licked my thumb and I smeared my spit on the floor, on the fourth floor button oh, when geez. I was on my way out of work. once
0: you're very vindictive. When I was so much older than I'm younger than that. Now, but younger than you are today.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. So much younger than today. Yeah, that's it. So much younger than today. That's what it was. So, so how about you there, uh, Jim? Well, e.g., few things I've been playing through the legend of Zelda on my N64. Still, I haven't touched it in about a week or so, but, uh, I also picked up one of those C64 minis and, oh. uh, Game selection on it is really weak, with the exception of the Epic's titles, and a couple of them require a keyboard. And the mini doesn't; it's got a fake keyboard on it that does nothing. So you have to pop in your own uh, yeah. USB keyboard into it to do anything with that. But otherwise, most of the controls are with the uh, with the joystick, and with a firmware upgrade, you can run your own ROMs on the thing, and that's fine but run into another problem that uh, sometimes C C64 games use the second joystick port and not the first one for one player games. And so you got to, if you have games like that, you got to run through the ROMs and append a underscore J one to the name of the ROM, you know, before the extension to, Hmm. uh, to get to run correctly and a bit of a hassle, but there's a couple of games on there that I've been kind of having fun with. Uh, but, uh, for the most part, it's kind of a big so what so far. I'm interested in uh, looking into the basic programming capability. Oh, yeah. That's the one thing I love about that era of computing with the Apple II, the Atari the Atari series of computers, the Commodore computers, is it had the basic interpreter built in. And that was just so much fun. Uh, you could just get started right away.
1: Well, the thing is, the thing like at least with the Commodore sixty four and the Atari eight bits, and the Commodore VIC twenty two, uh, and and the Commodore one twenty eight, you had to use Basic in order to operate the thing. Yep. Unless you were just running off cartridges all day, but you actually had to learn at least a little bit of Basic because all the operating system functions were integrated into the Basic,
0: a programming language and OS all in one. Yep. Which is why it was like
1: culture shock when I got my Amiga. And I was like, okay, where do I put in the uh, basic commands? Mm. It's like, oh.
0: Yeah, that, that, that sucked with the next generation uh, going forward. But, but, I mean, IBM computers, I guess you had to load uh, the basic programming language from floppy disk. You know, yeah. now that I think about it, I don't remember if you had to load it from floppy disk for Apple's or not. Yeah, you did. Oh, yeah. So it was basically just the Atari computers. Pretty much every other computer you had to. What's that? And Commodore. Oh, and Commodore. Yeah, we're right. right. I know there and, were a
1: couple of others. I think the the Sinclair computers were the were the same way. I think
0: maybe the Trash eighty. Um, uh, I think you're right. The, I think the, the 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 Radio Shack computers had it built in. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, TI definitely had basic oh, yeah. built in. That's a computer I always wanted was the TI. I've said that before. It's got some pretty cool stuff on it. It was a neat little 16 bit computer. Yeah, and uh, that's right. But, it was 16 bits. It was. Yeah, and. Uh, and I've been playing the games that we're playing today. I got addicted to a, a mobile game called Eat Venture, which is, it's like one of those idle games and which uh, you run in a restaurant and that sort of thing. And a what game? It's an idle game. Like, it does stuff while you're offline. You know, keep, oh, you, keep earning oh, okay, money I that sort you. of thing. So that's that kind of a stupid thing, but oh, I'm addicted. And... Um, that's pretty much it. Oh, and uh, since uh, we last talked, I also did go to the Midwest Gaming Classic. Oh, man,
1: I was so jealous. Yeah, I, okay, I was so jealous until I had my first meal in New Orleans. Then I was no <laughs> longer jealous.
0: Yeah, when we went to New Orleans when I was a kid, uh, we only ate at one place in the city. It was a place called Felix's, and uh, but I don't remember anything else about it. So, yeah, I went to Midwest Gaming Classic. uh had... Uh, uh, hosted a couple of people at uh, at what uh, uh, what the, the name is what's the name of that restaurant? Um, oh, George Webb. George Webb. That's it. Okay, I thought you were talking about New Orleans for some reason. Good lord. No. <laughs> so yeah, hosted hosted him and some friends that uh, I don't want to name drop, but uh, yeah, hosted a, you know a couple of them there, and we had breakfast. Found a interesting um, another breakfast place I went to the next day called Build a Breakfast, hmm. or for lunch it's called Build a Burger. Insert conspiracy theory here. No, no. And, uh, uh, but uh, the breakfast there was pretty good. George Webb never disappoints that place. Is, that's just good, solid breakfast. Just good, solid food in general. It's, I remember uh, when we
1: went there, the first time we went there, and you walked in, you said, this place looks like a Waffle House. Waffle and, house. The, and the waitress heard that and said, that's pretty much what this is.
0: <laughs> it's it's Wisconsin's version of Waffle House. only thing is they have wheat cakes, not waffles. And they don't cook in front of you. Now, I've only been to a Waffle House once, and Uh I like George
1: Webb's so much better. But here's the thing. I think the Waffle House that I went to was in Delaware.
0: It's a booger snack. Oh, well.
1: And they say the further north you go, the worse the Waffle House
0: is. The last Waffle House I've been to was probably down by St. Louis when I did a a bike ride down there, a charity bike ride. And, uh, yeah, Waffle House, good stuff. And... um, Somebody said uh, Waffle House is redneck hibachi. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Oh, I
1: forgot the name of the place in Delaware, but it's the same place where uh, the same town where uh,
0: Dead Poets Society was filmed. Couldn't That's tell where you the Never waffle saw Waffle House was. Uh, oh, I suddenly can't think of it. I do wish we would get some Waffle Houses in the Chicago area. Out of all the states that have Waffle Houses, Illinois has the fewest. We have two. They must be way the hell down south. They're both by St. Louis. I'm surprised they don't have okay, them down yeah. by Carbondale or Metropolis. Middletown—that's that where.
1: Okay, Middletown, Delaware. That's Middletown. where. Yeah.
0: <sighs> Glad I know that now. <laughs> and knowing that, yeah, I was battle. disappointed with it. You were disappoint? there's disappointed. There's a few down it. by Indianapolis. We'll have to make a special trip to. Hey, you know what we should do? Is there's that uh that one guy from Survivor? Uh, oh, Rupert. that guy, yeah, the he, guy. He's got that uh, arcade down uh, yeah. down south of Indianapolis. Uh, we should go hit that up sometime. Ooh, I
1: wonder uh, if he knows the singing Johnson
0: family. Ooh, you never know. But um all the proceeds from that go to his uh, go to his charity and uh yeah. he does a lot of he he really does a lot of good work. And uh anyway, uh queuing back to the Midwest Gaming Classic, uh I got yes. some uh, audio of the trip and ooh. uh we will have it available sometime soon for our patrons. So if you want to hear it, don't know why you would want to, but if you want to hear it, uh just hop on that bandwagon and uh join our other Patrons, as we will announce their names at the end of the show, like we always do, because good things come to those who wait. They'll have access
1: to that stuff. And I'm finally, I'm glad we finally have stuff for our Patreon sponsors. It's (laughs) just that's not just the episode a day early and an unbleeped version of the episode. We've been, we've been, we've just been so caught up with stuff. We haven't been able to come up with any more content.
0: Now we have content. (laughs) Woohoo! Woohoo! Oh, we were talking before the show about the new, uh, the new sample episode of beavis and butthead which is uh just released to youtube and uh, hmm. the two episodes uh one beavis and butthead uh, go to a meditation session and in attain enlightenment <laughs> and the second one <laughs> they they're watching uh, some strippers on youtube and the the video doesn't uh the visit video won't buffer and so uh, they look for a place for pole dancers and they wind up in a voting booth <laughs> <laughs> hmm. hey look Beavis! that says pulling palace <laughs> oh god that's great and um so that's some good stuff that's some good stuff um they got some really good writers for, on that show the last mtv season wasn't the greatest but uh, they got some mike judge isn't doing all the writing this time around he's got a he's got a team doing it now and is, uh, is
1: it is is Beavis sounding a little bit more like his old self than the uh, previous revival, because I was... Re- yeah, I think so. Because, yeah, the previous revival, he just didn't sound quite right. It's like, ugh. But this time he sounds much more...
0: I hope they get some more episodes with old Beavis and old Buddy. Those are <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> so, at any rate, enough about any that. Rate, so, yeah. uh, do we have any addenda or errata or any new... Well, it's Whoa. funny you should mention it because we don't. We have been really knocking it out of the park lately, haven't we? Telling you, man. Yeah. All it only right. Only took so. us only took us eight years to be perfect. Either that, or we just don't care anymore. It's one of those. things I couldn't tell you. If we don't care, topic. and the listeners don't care because they're not calling us out on stuff. That's true. In this age of misinformation, uh, it's <laughs> it's nice to know that yeah. uh, Pie Factory Podcast does not buck the trend. No, no, of course <laughs> not. Uh, I I kid, I kid because I care. So. Yeah. so, I guess we should uh, get right into talking about some games then, eh? Hey, let's do that here for hey. episode, uh,
1: what did I say was 137? Am I correct one, with that? I think so. Uh, I think
0: you are. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, we're 138. Well, we're 138? Yep. Oh, my. This is 138. Oh. 139 is the next one.
1: Oh, And 137
0: Man. was the previous. Huh. Yeah. So. You're sure about that? Let me see.
1: Let's, what does the website say? piefactorypodcast.com well well, according to what I'm looking at last episode was 136 uh, and 135 was Assault Vindicators 134 was uh, the ever popular Portman and Arkanoid and I'm looking through these games and there's some of them I don't remember talking about at all <laughs> and these are just like in the past year just
0: <laughs> so- According oh, to my spreadsheet, we are, I don't see any missing numbers or skipped numbers. Of course, 120 was split into two episodes. Yep. So yeah, according to this, we're on 138. What do you have for 133? Hard driving and stun runner. 134? Arkanoid Portman. 135? Vindicator's Assault. 136? Oh, wait, no, there's, there's the problem aha uh-huh. uh, i see what i did yep see what you did there uh, i see what i did skippy quality podcasting from oh i see what happened because 135 was supposed to be uh, a special episode but we had to cancel oh, that because yeah, 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 a guest yeah. couldn't uh, couldn't make it which i still want to do that but uh okay all what right did so you say about right. eight, 8 years and it's,
1: it took us 8 years to get perfect yeah yeah would you believe 9
0: so, which game you want to talk about first?
1: Uh, I want to talk about Silkworm.
0: Of course you would. <laughs> okay, let's get this over with. Silkworm. Yeah. <laughs> this is a game from Tecmo in 1988. It's an interesting two player simultaneous game. The control panel has two eight way joysticks. One of the players can control a helicopter, and one of the players controls a jeep. Most people do the helicopter because the Jeep is pretty difficult to play.
1: I didn't realize there was a Jeep until I played it for this episode.
0: There is indeed a Jeep. And apparently you, you don't have to, it's not like some games where it's like, it's not labeled player one and player two. It's labeled Jeep and helicopter or Jeep and heli, as it says here on the display. You can play either one as player one. Hmm. I don't know why you'd play the Jeep because again, it's difficult, but uh Anyway, Jeep is the controller on the left, and it has two buttons, one labeled machine gun and one labeled jump. The helicopter joystick has two buttons, one labeled machine gun and one cannon fire. The machine gun aims down toward the ground, and the cannon fire goes straight ahead. In the object of the game, there's a computer that decided to take over the world for funsies, and uh, we have to defeat its forces and whatever. There are some power-ups along the way. First of all, there are, like, these orange landmines on the ground. If you destroy those, like, a little cloud of sparkles shows up. Sparkle and if sparkle? you do that, you get a, uh, you get a temporary shield. Yes. You collect them again, get more shield. You do them a third time, and then it blows up like a smart bomb. doesn't hurt your ship. Or you can uh, keep shooting the clouds of sparkles, and uh, that will also uh, act like a smart bomb, destroying everything on the screen. They'll pop up by themselves. I, I think they come from an orb later on in the game as well but uh there you go um anything on the ground your cannon your uh, the jeep will not be able to get across so yeah you'll die if you, you know, hit one of those landmine like things that, from what i understand from what i've played I could be wrong on that cuz i rarely play the jeep but there you go the other power ups every now and then an enemy will come out it uh like comes out in four parts uh, i call it the goose ship cuz it looks like a goose Quack. And if you destroy that the first time, you'll get double fire. You destroy it a second time, you get uh, rapid fire. Hmm. The double—I f- don't remember what the icon for the double fire looks like, but the rapid fire looks kind of like a little swirly, swirly deal. And then hmm. a- afterwards, uh, if you destroy it, if you have the other two power ups, there's a uh, insignia. You get that. You get—I uh, think it's ten thousand points. And um, the more insignias you get. Uh, it increases uh, bonuses later on in the game.
1: I just saw something. They should make a video game that involves giving somebody a swirly. Ooh, sequel to Bubbles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And move it from a sink to a toity. Okay, everybody, get get on that. Those get who that, uh, yeah. develop
0: video Bubbles games. Bubbles 2, Swirly City. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're here so, first. Um, now, there's a total of 12 levels in this game with various different enemies. Suicide helicopters. uh helicopters jets whatever multi-part helicopter that's the one that looks like a goose Quack. missile launchers bunch of missile launchers light tanks uh every now and then some tanks will come out of the sky uh with a parachute and i kind of like shooting the parachutes on those it doesn't destroy them when they land but it's still kind of fun oh yeah, yeah. um wait you're sure it doesn't destroy them when they land yeah sure i'm sure Cause I, uh, sworn get, I was um,
1: actually able to do that make like hmm
0: and then you get these missile launchers that uh, shoot three missiles. You get these helicopter dealies coming out that got the that's the blades swirl and they're kind of hard to destroy. I don't think there's very many items in this game that take that get destroyed with just one hit. Hmm. And then of course you get boss characters like helicopters and tanks. Hmm. So there you are with that. Oh yeah, um, back to the uh, the power ups. If you get the uh, the first one and you're a jeep. You get uh, dual turrets on your Jeep instead of the, the twin fire. Wait, did you missiles? say dual turnips? Turrets. Oh. Turrets. I want yes. turnips. Well, you're the, about the only one. Oh. Huh. So um, the game has 12 waves. The only thing really of note, the backgrounds keep changing from like, uh, there'll be some like over the ocean, some over like uh, green pasture mountains, uh, American Southwest, and one point, Level 11 is a um, is like you're inside a mothership or something. Huh. and um, level 12, okay, uh, somehow I got my cheats working in MAME, so I was able to get to level 12. I probably would have anyway if you can just keep popping tokens in and it'll take picture up like right where you left off. Well first of all, after level seven, no more continues. Mm-hmm. Level seven's done. you can't continue anymore. And there's a reason for that because if you're on level 12 and you continue, you're going to get bored real fast because level 12 huh. doesn't end. Really? It goes on forever. I mean, you defeat the main baddie in level 11, and then it's just, it's kind of like uh, Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. After you've beat the game, there's the bonus round. It, the bonus round just keeps going forever. Hmm. And it's kind of like that here, except, well, no, I mean, you can lose all your lives as well. So, yeah, it's kind of that sort of thing. And uh, that gets pretty boring really fast. I would imagine. Uh, yeah so that's pretty much the levels i will say this i do like the graphics in this game the graphics are nice and colorful and most of the enemies are nice and big and uh, you can yeah they look nice i like the sounds in this game one of my favorite sounds in this game is when you you're in the uh, helicopter and your shot hits the ground it makes a nice little sound there that i kind of like so that's kind of neat i heard a rumor about this game that like in uh, Blasteroids, you can combine two ships. I mean, it created yeah. a different weapon. I heard a rumor that uh, if you do that with the the jeep and the helicopter in this game, it does something like that. But I tried doing it and I couldn't see it, so I'm thinking that's just a rumor. And apparently, there is one hidden secret in this game in level five. Hmm. When you get to the um, the boss, there's going to be like a hand pointing out of the statue. If you fire with the jeep or uh, down with the ch- with the helicopter. Your shots get stopped, and if you keep firing, uh, apparently two icons will appear. uh, Take it, and you'll get a bonus. And depending on what your rank is, you can earn either 500,000 points or 100,000 points. Uh, Mm. I only found about this uh, after I last played it, so I don't know if that's true or not. So there are some ports. Uh, This was on the uh, NES and the SNES, apparently. The SNES was an unreleased prototype. But it was also on the uh, Amstrad CPC, the Atari ST, the Sinclair ZX Spectrum. Those Brits have infected us. Now we say ZX. We don't say ZX like it's supposed to be anymore.
1: Well, the thing is, number one, it's called Z because it's derivative of the Greek Zeta, Z-E-T-A. Only in America has it ever been pronounced Z. And by and America, in right. I mean the United States. No.
0: But continuing, it's also but on also the C64. we have to say
1: ZX Spectrum because the Spectrum was not available in the United States. It was only available in territories where it's pronounced Z. Well, so by calling it ZX Spectrum, that'd be uh, inaccurate, and uh, we do not want inaccuracy.
0: We could have held that for an addenda and errata for next episode, so we actually have something to fill that time with. But you just do your thing. That's yeah, right. I just
1: do my thing and yeah, and provide good. the correct information as it happens, baby, rather than have to correct it and amend it later. Come on, man.
0: So, any rate. Jim doesn't like how I podcast. What?
1: Nothing. Nothing.
0: It was also on the uh, Commodore 64. And oh, Sega. yeah. And <laughs> I remember I had played this on the Atari ST. Um, I didn't copy the disc or anything. No, no, no. But... Uh, how did you like it on the Atari ST? The Atari ST version was uh, was pretty good. I can tell you that the first place I ever played this game was at... Oh, boy, is it uh, Aladdin's Castle? You would be wrong. The 7-Eleven in Crest Hill. Oh. It was right next to the Tempest machine. They huh. had Tempest for a while. Huh, okay. A good long while, actually, because this game was from 1988, and Tempest was like 83, I believe, 82. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the first place I played it. How about you, Sean? Honestly, I believe the
1: first time I ever played the arcade version of Silkworm was a galloping ghost simply because I just never saw it, number one. And number two, it's not the kind of game that would have attracted me. And number three, the first time I ever played Silkworm, period, was on the Commodore 64, uh, courtesy of uh, the friend we were talking about before who lives in Texas. <laughs> it was in the mess oh floppy disks he sold me when he got rid of his Commodore 64
0: stuff. You still have it? No, no, unfortunately. How no. sad. Yeah. So. Yep. so, Sean, what do you think of the game? You know, uh,
1: remember when we were discussing who would cover which game and uh, you said you wanted to cover Silkworm and how I responded
0: uh, I don't remember the
1: exact words. I said something along the lines of, good because I hate Silkworm. Oh, now, no. having said that, I was basing that assessment on the Commodore 64 version, because I, I hated it so much. Uh-huh. I think it was the gameplay that I didn't like. I think the graphics and sound were fine. But revisiting the arcade version, which I hadn't done since the one time I played it at the Ghost some years ago, I was... <laughs> It was an interesting it was a nice looking game. It was mm-hmm. a nice looking game, but I found it to be too chopliftery and I don't really like choplifter. Mm, I guess I could
0: see where you could say that.
1: And also I found it borderline bullet hell, and I do not like bullet hell. I really don't. You
0: know? Wait, you, you need to get further in the game if you want to see bullet hell, because comparatively I don't speaking, the first five levels are pretty easy. That's one thing with this game I did notice, too, is that the bosses seem to be pretty easy.
1: Well, I wouldn't have known because I couldn't make... Oh, actually, yeah, I did make it to the... Okay, Yeah, I did make it to a couple of boss stages, but here's the thing. I gave up. I stopped playing after a while because I was getting so bored with it because it just Mm -hmm. seemed so repetitive. And it seemed like some of the levels were just going on for freaking
0: ever. Well, now that we know that one of them literally does.
1: Well, that one, I didn't even make it to that one. (laughs) But still... I'm like, man, this game is not worth playing. If I have
0: I to didn't keep- think that the levels actually went on that long. I thought, compared to other games like Gradius, uh, they were actually relatively short.
1: Hmm. I don't know. It might have been that uh, maybe I was continuing a lot and just starting that over. That, I don't know. It could have been that. But whatever it was, I don't know. I didn't like it. And I also did not like the Jeep. I, I tried
0: playing as yeah. the Jeep, and I you know, it just didn't work for me. Yeah, that, that didn't work for me either. I couldn't... Uh,
1: it might be that Moon Patrol is just too embedded in my head for that kind of thing that I was expecting it to play like Moon Patrol.
0: For me, it's the fact that it's a lot harder in this game to play as the Jeep because you don't have as much, um not movement, but you, you, there are more hazards. You have more hazards to look out mm. for that the helicopter doesn't have to deal with. Uh, the helicopter can't go all the way to the ground. It stops at a certain point. And so if there's a uh, a hazard on the the ground, there are mountains and stuff that come up at some point too. You can fly through the mountains, but if like there's an enemy on it or something, you could crash into it. But uh, if you go far enough down the screen, you can can miss all of those hazards, but the Jeep still has to get around them like the rocket launchers and the landmines and that sort of thing. And um, if you're playing one player only on the Jeep, you have to either figure out how to kill those things or uh, figure out how to jump over them. If I'm not mistaken... If you push the joystick up and down when you're on as the Jeep, it will change the aim of your gun.
1: Hmm.
0: I could have sworn I saw that. I'd have to uh, play it again, but I could have sworn that I did see that happen in the game. I do know that the angle of your gun does change relative to the position of your Jeep. Say, like, if you're jumping up, your Jeep does a wheelie, and if you do that, then your guns aim accordingly. Hmm. And when you come down, you're face down, and then, again, the guns aim accordingly, so that yeah if, if you were just playing the jeep on this game forget it you're not going to get far yeah
1: yep no not that i would get far playing the uh
0: the helicopter but it is a good looking game it, it does look nice yeah it's got some very snazzy graphics sure kind of like the american southwest stage It kind of looked like monument valley down there and uh- i yeah i was wondering if uh if uh,
1: you noticed uh, how like i the first thing i noticed was one of the uh, monuments looked like devil's tower
0: well, a lot of the those sandstone bluffs down there look like. I can't remember if Monument Valley's in Arizona or Utah. I know you have to get into Utah to enter it, but it might be just over the Arizona border. Devil's Towers in Wyoming, but uh, yeah. So we have high scores on this thing.
1: <laughs> that is a uh, amazing question there, Jim. Uh, surprisingly, Twin Galaxies has an entry for uh, Silkworm for both the arcade cabinet and for MAME, but it doesn't have any scores reported for it. So that's fascinating. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Now, arcade.com, however, does have uh, some scores listed in their highest. Uh, I have no idea how this person's name is pronounced. I'm probably going to butcher it. I apologize, but... This person's name appears to be Richard Adamschik, and uh, he mm-hmm. scored 1,377,100 four years ago, almost to the day we're recording this, April 20th, 2019, over at The Ghost. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Nice.
0: This is a very high-scoring game, uh, especially hmm. if you take advantage of the bonuses and can get pretty far at it. So very high scores on this are not out of the uh, running, as it were. Hmm. Out of the realm of impossibility. That's what I'm thinking of. Hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, what are you going to rate this uh, s- this game?
1: Well, on our rating system of 1 to 5 continues inclusive, I'm going to have to give it just a 3. Because, you know, it looks nice and everything, but that's about it. I mean, everyth- I'm, I'm not a fan of the gameplay. I think I'm just not a fan, really, mm. of helicopter games in general with the exception of of uh, desert strike on the home systems of course but desert strikes a great game yeah that's yeah. all i gotta i'm say actually
0: surprised that. you gave it a three i was thinking you were gonna give it a two
1: now if it were based only on my experience with the commodore 64 version well mm. yeah, definitely a two at the most because that version just plain made me angry this this one didn't make me angry it just bored me
0: okay i can see that and i'm gonna give it a three I kind of like the power-ups in this game, but it doesn't really offer anything new. Uh, yeah. Gradius had been out a few years before this one, and I think Gradius... Gradius, I think, for this sort of game is the gold standard to which to measure other games of its type by. and Because uh, it was a great follow-up to uh, Scramble and <clears throat> another game. And uh, everything that comes after it, some of it's successful, some of it isn't. But uh, And I would say this one, just slightly below, or just... Kind of below that level. If it was between this and Gradius, I'd take Gradius every day, hmm. every time. Yeah, I, I I would as well. Gradius is such a fun game. I need to play that again. I haven't played it since we talked about it. How many? What is? Was it seven years ago? Man, it's been weird that we've been recording. Been recording. It seems like we've been recording that long. Podcasting that long. Yeah. What episode was that? Uh, that was a episode a lot.
1: Um, it was right after Midwest Gaming Classic 2016, I believe. We've talked about so many games it's becoming hard to find anything. <laughs> yep. Good night. I swear, uh, one of these days I'm going to put a search engine... I already have the proof of concept for the search engine. It
0: was episode 29. Episode 29. Wow. And we're at 137. Oh, man! We just don't know when to quit. No. So, I think that wraps up for everything for Silkworm. you have anything further to add?
1: Not to Silkworm other than... Uh, yeah, silkworm. Yeah, but uh, I'm not going to be playing you anytime soon,
0: or late. I remember one of the Atari ST magazines when reviewing the the ST version of it said, and this isn't a direct quote, but I'm going to say it like it's a quote because it's the best I can remember. No, this isn't the first insect license. Ha 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 ha. They didn't put the ha ha in. I did. Yeah, it's. Right, did you talk there.
1: about like why the game was called Silkworm?
0: Probably to do with silkworm missiles. Okay. That's the best I can guess, mm. those were a thing as far as I remember. Right. All right, well, uh, do we have a, uh, um, a, a, a underwriter for this episode?
1: Well, funny you should ask, because indeed we do. Oh. Ah. Uh, I'd play the thing. Hey, Joey. I got some stuff you just got to try. What is it? Pot. You know, marijuana. Oh, well, I don't know. What, Chicken? Joey's in a jam. What should he do? Uh, cake. Get a pizza. Excellent. Get a pizza. Ken Get real. You got it. Let's see if Joey's that smart. I'm not chicken. You're a turkey. He's You're right. Turkey. Drug dealers are dorks. Don't even talk to him. Cowabunga.
0: And we're back. <laughs> Much to many people's chagrin. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you thought that, uh the episode would just end with our underwriter no 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 because hey we still got another game to talk about there that's that's right
0: cabinet sanchez uh
1: i guess i'm going to be doing a lot of talking right now uh you're Mm -hmm. certainly welcome to do a lot of talking as well there jim um jimmy g as you sometimes call yourself um the game that i am going to discuss right now is called super cobra super cobra
0: Is it like a a snake that's got like a cape?
1: It is very much like a snake. And because it's called Super Cobra and Cobra is a snake, that means that we have to...
0: Watch out for snakes!
1: Yeah. Oh, wait. No, we don't. No, we don't have to watch out for snakes. You know why? Why? Because there aren't actually any snakes in the game. Kind of like how there aren't any donkeys in Donkey Kong. Oh.
0: You know what? Somebody should rectify that. I know. I'll bet
1: you somebody did and just didn't bother telling us, but... It might be an Atari
0: 2600 hack of that version, now that I think about it. But having said all that, this
1: uh, game we're going to call Super Cobra was released in Japan in March 1981 by Konami. You know what other game was released in March 1981 in Japan by Konami? Scramble? Scramble. Wow. Many people say, oh, Super Cobra, that's a sequel to Scramble. No it's not, they both came out the same time, at least in Japan. In America, however, at least North America, Super Cobra was not released until June of 1982 by Stern. Uh, Having said all that, uh, the game, if you know Scramble, Super Cobra is very similar. Uh, You may look at it and think that it is a sequel to Scramble. It is not. Uh, For example, I believe in uh, Scramble, I believe that takes place in outer space, does it?
0: Well, on an alien planet. On an alien
1: planet, but... Not so with Super Cobra. It takes place right here on Earth, and you're piloting a helicopter. And I believe that helicopter is called a Super Cobra, kind of named after the Bell AH AH-1 Super Cobra Twin Engine Attack Helicopter that was designed by the United States Marine Corps and got its first real use, I believe, during the Vietnam War. That's what I believe, at least, I could be incorrect. And if I'm incorrect, then it's uh, some other thing. But it's kind of like Scramble in that you're maneuvering through different terrains, different uh, territories, if you will, several different levels until you get to the final level, which is called the base. And then the game starts over and you go through another loop, but a little bit faster now. Instead of, what is it? I think Scramble has, what, five or six levels? Uh, Super Cobra has 10 plus the base level. So there's that difference. There are uh, different types of enemies. The way I see it, if you still want to bang the Super Cobra is at least a spiritual sequel to Scramble Drum, then think of it this way. Scramble is to centipede what Super Cobra is to millipede. Okay. So that's a way to think about it. Uh, At the top of the screen, just like with most of these video games we talk about you have your typical player one score high score player two score across the top and then right under that there's a progress bar telling you which of these 11 sections that you're in the progress bar is blue but it turns red as you progress and whichever the last red section is that's the one you're in somewhere in between one through ten and base
0: i like that uh, in the game every section is one thousand kilometers You sure it's kilometers and not miles? Uh, The version I played said kilometers, so maybe I was playing the Konami version. Aha, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. (laughs) But anywho, below
1: that, you got the main play field where you do all the playing, and at the bottom of the screen, you have a fuel indicator in the form of a depleting bar. Think of it as a reverse progress bar. And below the fuel indicator, uh, actually, my note says fuel indicato, there is a reserve life indicator with two R's at the beginning. So, it's reserve life indicator.
0: You know what else is indicator? Archer Daniels Midland. <laughs> indicator.
1: Thank you for that. I was wondering about that. It's indicator. number of little helicopters you see at the bottom of the screen is how many are left in your reserve. And to the far right of that in the lower left corner, there's a little rectangle that's basically an indicator of which... Go round, you're on. Like it'll, if you're, if it's the first time you're going through those 11 phases, there's going to be one. If you finish all 11, you start over again, there are going to be two, etc. So that's what that's all about. And I also like to talk about the control panels of these games. Uh, These notes come straight from the previous episode because they use a similar joystick, an eight way ambidextrous joystick with a red ball top. There are four directions marked on it up and down, and then slow on the left and then fast on the right, just like with the scramble control panel. Scramble. And there are two buttons known as discharge buttons on either side of said joystick. The left pair is actually labeled discharge buttons on the uh, stern version. The inner buttons are the Sidewinder Missile on the Stern version, but on the Konami version they're just called Laser. Uh, The outer buttons on both versions are called Bombs. And a fun fact for you, the pair of buttons on the right also doubles as Player 1 and Player 2 start. Oh. Multifunctioning. That was interesting. So yeah, the gameplay, it's just like Scramble, and for those of you who aren't familiar with Scramble, number one, how dare you? Number two, yeah, that's okay. It doesn't matter. And number three, it is a side-scrolling shooter in which you move from left to right. And even though nobody's going to see it, I'm going to correct my notes here that says it is a left-to-ride. G-H-T-4. And
0: Scramble yeah. is also episode number 33. Thank
1: you. I was actually going to look that up, but now I don't have to. See?
0: I'm helpful. But basically, it's just
1: if you're familiar with Scramble, it's, you'll be familiar with the gameplay here. You avoid walls, you avoid uh, mountains, you avoid lots of things, you avoid enemies, and you basically shoot every basically shoot at everything, really. If it's an enemy, you shoot it. There are fuel tanks that you'll want to shoot, because when you shoot a fuel tank, somehow your uh, ship absorbs that fuel. Video game physics? Um, I, you think we should talk about that as that part of a video game physics thing?
0: I think it should be part of video game physics. Because I think we did that for uh, one of the, for, It was either Zaxxon or Scramble, I thought. Or oh. another game where you destroyed the fuel tank. Well, let's do it again here. Let's do it anyway, just in case. It's time for another
1: edition of video, video Game
0: Physics! Now, this
1: is the way the physics works in this video game with the fuel tanks. You hit the fuel tank with your ammunition. You have whether it's the uh, the laser or the bomb, or as we call it in America, we call lasers uh, sidewinder missiles for some reason, <laughs> you replenish your fuel. And um, yeah, that's it's weird that you destroy a fuel tank to refuel, but the way I, th- I see it is all the fumes are absorbed by your own helicopter's fuel tank, and that's what refuels it. But what I don't understand is that there are some enemies that fire missiles at you, and they can actually land on fuel tanks and destroy them. Hmm. Somehow, if those things land on the fuel tanks, you don't get refueled. Why is it that only your projectiles actually cause the exploding fuel tanks to refuel your ship? Unless there's something... The only thing I can think is that there's something in... The enemy missiles, like some kind of chemical or something that renders the fuel useless as it explodes.
0: Or, in the words of Tom Servo, it's because of physics.
1: It's because of physics. And there's another video game physics I want to talk about, and something that you just brought up, kind of. I, I'm pretty sure that the, the versions, I, I played uh, three different versions of this, and I'm pretty sure they all said miles, but I might be wrong. But each section, each of those 11 sections, is 1,000 miles long. And it takes a, roughly a minute, a minute and a quarter to finish each section. So imagine how fast you must be flying and how large you and all your enemies and all the, uh, the terrain have to be in order to finish that thousand miles in such a short time or a thousand kilometers. And yeah, I say kilometers. Do we say kiloliters? No, we say kiloliters. Do we say kilograms? No, we say kilograms. Ergo, kilometers. So um that that's what I had to say about uh, some of the physics in this video game. Do you have anything to add there, Jim?
0: Nah, not really. I was okay. going to make a joke, but I've done the joke before, so no. All right. Well, having said... One thing I you didn't mention about is the uh, object of the game. The object of the
1: game is to make it to the base level, which is the 11th level, and you have to pick up what looks like a suitcase with a dollar sign on it, and that is called a booty. Yeah, I like yeah. picking up booty. Yep, I was—I I knew we were going somewhere with this. I'm Bootay. thinking, man. As soon as I mentioned booty, <laughs> I don't have to talk
0: anymore. Shake that booty! <laughs> 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 yes, when I pick up the uh, the prize in this game, I like to waggle the joystick back and forth to shake the booty. <laughs> and stick your tongue out of your mouth and wag it up and down as fast as you can. Uh. So. Uh, yeah.
1: Anywho. Not only do you have to grab the booty, which is almost impossible by the way, but you also have to make sure that it does not get destroyed. Because you know what happens if it gets destroyed, Jim? Do you what know what happens? You get a message on the screen that says booty destroyed, challenge again. Yeah, I'm a bit of a booty destroyer myself. That's if you uh, complete the level with the uh, booty destroyed. But if you complete (laughs) the level with the booty intact, the message tells you, Congratulations, space bang space. You completed your duties. Good luck next time again. You
0: completed your duties while recovering the booty. (laughs) Man, they they missed out on such a cool rhyme. I know. What the hell, people? Yeah, I think I should knock it down and continue for that. Oh, man. The jokes write themselves, folks. I'll talk about the
1: uh, the different levels in the game. Uh, on level one, you go through kind of a, a mountain uh, terrain, and you have some uh, rockets that are firing at you. Some go slow, some go fast.
0: One thing I did notice about this game uh, that wasn't in Scramble when it comes to the missiles off the ground that are firing, the missiles change color slightly before they fire. Oh, yeah, yeah. They don't do that, and so it, you get like a little bit of a warning that uh, a missile is going to... Uh, going to launch which is uh, nice in such a uh, difficult game as this one mm. so you may continue
1: oh may i now yes hmm. you
0: may or you may not it's up it's up to you
1: well um we we owe people some content so i'm going to continue Alrighty. with content the next level you have uh you're going through some mountainy regions again and this time you have some missiles that unlike in scramble these things will actually curve the arc if you will and oh my goodness, they are. If you're not used to them, well, you're never going to used to them. So let's just leave it at that. Level three, they have so-called smart bombs in groups of four. God, those those missiles though that arc. Oh my god, I hate those things. Oh gosh, yes. Because sometimes they will literally come from behind and hit you in the ass. Mm-hmm. Like if you go out, if you go off screen and avoid them without shooting them down,
0: they'll hit your booty
1: they will come back at you okay it's like there's this uh roadrunner cartoon in which Mm -hmm. uh E. coyote launches these little tiny firecracker things Mm -hmm. at the roadrunner and throughout the episode at random times one comes right back to him and blows up On
0: (laughs) oh i remember that episode oh oh, (laughs) yeah i need to go back through the the roadrunner episodes those are those are timeless oh
1: yeah yeah absolutely Uh, level five, you go through a cavern and there are falling mines. Oh, I hate those. Oh God. I hate those things. Some of them you'll be able to shoot down before they actually fall, but most of them are impossible to shoot down. You just have to take a chance that they don't fall on you. And at level six, I effing hate level six with every fiber of my being. I hate it so much that I'm using the British spelling of fiber, F-I-B-R-E. Well, Fibre. Because this this level introduces tanks that move. Other levels, they have tanks that just stay there and shoot at you. These will move. And oh, man, I hate them so much. And uh, let's just face it, you're not going to survive them. You're not going to survive these tanks, period, no matter how good you are the uh, next level you have a bunch of meteors that you have to avoid they're actually shootable i was able to destroy the meteors with bombs i was not able to destroy them with lasers uh, although there are some green flashing meteors that appear from time to time that are destroyable by lasers for sure on level 8 you got some ufo's that shoot at you and i hate that. level 8 is a, a level that i hate as well so much Level 9, you have to kind of go around a bunch of tall buildings. It looks very similar to one of the later levels in Scramble. Level 10 as well, because you're kind of going through a maze. And uh, there are a lot of tight turns. Again, you're not going to survive it. (laughs) And the Mm -hmm. base is where you have to get the the booty. And some interesting things that I noticed about the base. Now, there are actually three different versions of Super Cobra. There's one made by Konami one made by Sega and one made by... Licensed by Sega. Well, licensed by Sega and one licensed by Stern. Yep. There are two towers in the base level that you're going to happen across. If you're playing the Konami version, the Japanese version, the first one will have the word Osaka on top of it. And Osaka is where Konami was founded in 1969 and where Konami was still located at the time that this game was made. They eventually moved to Tokyo. On the Stern version the first tower says stern and on the sega version the first tower says sega on top of it on all three versions the second tower says konami so i thought that was interesting Hmm. but yeah and of course you want to grab that booty carry it away safely and you have successfully completed the level
0: grab that booty just make sure you have consent oh yeah yeah absolutely
1: And uh, I'll talk about how you score points in this game. You get 10 points for every second that you're alive. Uh, If you shoot a missile that's on the ground, you get 30 points. If you shoot a Sidewinder missile on the ground, you get 40 points. If a missile is up in the air, you get 50 points for destroying it. Sidewinder missile, you get 60 points for destroying it. UFOs are 100 points for destroying them. You get 50 points for destroying a fuel tank, which of course helps replenish your fuel. The tanks, you get either 100, 200, or 300 points. The green meteors, you get 150 points. If you uh, shoot one of those mines that's still hanging in the ceiling, you get 30 points. But if you shoot it as it's falling from the ceiling, you get 50 points. And if you uh, grab the booty, you get 800 points.
0: It's not a lot for grabbing booty.
1: Well, yeah, it has to make you wonder, is it really worth it to grab booty? Yeah, that's true. Is it true. worth all I mean, that risk? Uh,
0: yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, something that I had read is that the different versions by Konami, Sega, and Stern, they all have different levels of difficulty. I think that's a lie. They were all equally difficult, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> the ROMs are out there. If the ROM ends in S, you're playing the Stern version, If it ends in SE, it's the Sega version. Uh, I know there are Mm -hmm. a few other versions of the ROM. I don't know what the differences are. If you play the one that's just S-Cobra, that's the original Japanese Konami version. So, uh, Jimmy G, do you have anything else to add before I move on? Not a whole lot as of yet. um, Wait, wait, did uh, you just call me an a-hole? Oh, no, you said I'm not an a-hole. I appreciate that. Sure. Well, then, hey, I will tell you about the home versions that are out there. There are actually two versions for the Atari 2600, one made by Parker Brothers and one made by Champ Games that came out in 2017. Uh. The Champ Games version is called Super Cobra Arcade, and it looks really, really good. It actually does look like Super Cobra, unlike the Parker Brothers version. And uh, I just got to say this. I played the Parker Brothers version a few times. Mm-hmm. It, I don't quite know exactly how to describe it, other than... If you were to sit me down and have me play that game and you asked me what game I was playing, I would never guess it was super Cobra Yeah, because the graphics are so, it's hard to explain. Okay. Uh, the way the graphics look, it's, it, it looks as if uh, somebody who is new to programming just finished a game and it it's looks really good for somebody who's brand new, who's never written a line of code in their lives.
0: To be fair. The Atari 2600 wasn't very good at horizontal scrolling. If I mean, just you notice the graphics
1: the, in general just look like, huh? They look like Canyon Bomber or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can see that, but that's again due to the, uh, the a lot of that's due to the scrolling issue. My main problem with the 2600 Parker Brothers version is the collision detection is extremely unforgiving. Hmm. It's way off because there. This game is known even in the easy early levels for some tight corridors you gotta oh my go through. Oh my goodness! Yes. On the twenty six hundred version, forget it. You have to have pinpoint movement. You have to be very precise and deliberate in your moves mm. if you don't want to get killed. In uh, one, of the, there's like a corridor that's like a, a V, and uh, that's uh, if I play the twenty six hundred version, that's where I lose most of my lives. Mm. Play-wise, it's not terrible if it wasn't for, it wouldn't be terrible if it wasn't for the collision detection, but it definitely does leave a lot to be desired and shouldn't really not have been tried on the 2600.
1: Oh, here's the thing. I think it would have been a fine game if it were not called Super Cobra.
0: I I would still have issues with the collision detection, but I'm glad that we're not uh, dealing with that one, though.
1: I think Parker Brothers also did the Atari 5200 and 8-bit computer versions as well. The game was also out on Intellivision and uh, ColecoVision, and uh, of course by uh, Correlation. Maybe also the Coleco. Adam, I don't know who did though. Was it Parker Brothers who did those two, or did Coleco? Yeah, do
0: Parker those? Brothers had the home rights to the Coleco uh, or to the all the uh, console home version. Okay,
1: so they did the Intellivision version too.
0: Yeah, which there's an episode of Intarivisions about that one. I love that show. I wish they would have. I wish they could get it to get together and have more episodes. Hey, you know uh, how hard, hard it is already? for
1: us to schedule just the two of us. <laughs> oh can, God, yes. They have what four great. hosts? Yeah. No yeah. kidding. Yeah, I can only imagine what a nightmare
0: it must be just for just that. To is get a great show. It is it is an it adult is. show, though. I, I. It's a great show. I love it. If you want to hear Ferg swear, listen to him. <laughs> <Legends. laughs> Oh, he's not the wholesome guy you think he is. Oh, he's (laughs) still,
1: he's still a lot more wholesome than I think we are. (laughs) But anyway, uh, other home versions, there's the Odyssey 2, uh, the MSX, the Sword M5. It's a Japanese computer. Uh, It's known as the CGL M5 in the UK. It was out on the Casio PV 1000 the Entex Adventure Vision, remember those things?
0: Oh, that was the LC, the little one well, with the the
1: little uh, red dots, wasn't it? I don't know because I don't remember the damn thing. But yeah, it was the it was a little tabletop console with its own I monitor, I think. And Entex also made a standalone tabletop version of uh, Super Cobra. Oh, yes, dude, I it's forgot. Okay, some- I,
0: real quick, uh, I just loaded up a picture of the Entex Inven- Adventure Vision. Yes, it's exactly what I thought it was. It's a little tabletop thing it uses red leds to create images and um if i'm not mistaken there was only like a handful of games for it yeah only four only mm-hmm. four defender super cobra turtles and space force
1: yep one of the very few systems in the universe that does not have a frogger port
0: <laughs> yeah no kidding seriously
1: i forgot to mention this oh the uh you know that pizza place that's practically underneath my apartment <laughs> To the building Uh, right next door.
0: uh, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: My wife and I have lived here for 17 years almost. We still haven't patronized that pizza place. (laughs) Oh, jeez. But I noticed recently when I was walking past it, they have a wall-mounted multi-cade.
0: Really? Yeah. Ooh, I guess you're going to have to go in there.
1: Just to play MAME? I don't know. (laughs) But I think, anyway, I think what I mentioned, I think that's all the home versions that exist i'm surprised nobody did a homebrew for vectrex either that or my googling wasn't very good Huh? because vectrex has scramble
0: give them time yeah yeah the homebrew scene for the vectrex seems to be exploding lately yeah it's i haven't even
1: i i haven't even begun to keep up with it oh my goodness yeah that's it uh jim e g uh where did you first see and or play super cobra
0: if at all,, <laughs> well, I couldn't tell you huh. I don't remember I know I've played it back in the classic era, but I couldn't tell you where I where I first saw it or played it. I do know well, don't know for for a fact, but there was a rumor that the Sears at the Louis Joliet Mall had an arcade room which I had never come across huh. that had a super cobra, but uh that's all I can say about it.
1: Yeah, that doesn't surprise me because the Sears and Meadowview Shopping Center in Kankakee, of all places, had an arcade room. And uh, I honestly, I don't remember ever seeing Super Cobra anywhere until the ghost. I mean, I had always heard of it. I'd always Mm -hmm. heard of it, but I just never actually saw it anywhere. But I'm pretty sure I played it at the ghost, I think. Because I have vague memories of playing it and thinking, eh, it's just Scramble. Of course, after uh, researching for this episode, it is not just Scramble. I wish it were, though. Spoiler alert. It's not just Scramble. (laughs) But uh, I'll talk about the the, uh, high scores uh, that I've seen on record. Uh, This time, Twin Galaxies does have an entry populated for Super Cobra. And that is a, it appears that Twin Galaxies is going by handles now rather than uh, real names unless people choose to use their real names. So uh, so I noticed that last time we did an episode and this time uh, all I have is initials here, DBH, who scored 309,410 and uh, that was uh, submitted on May 10th, 2008 Oh, I got to talk about uh, that score in a moment and the, the next score. Uh, the next score I talk about is arcade.com spelled a u r c a d e.com. I, I know a lot of people here like think I'm just like saying arcade.com just with an accent. No, I'm it's a different spelling, so I kind of have to spell it out like that. But uh looks like uh, Robert Mrucek. I believe that name has been mentioned in this podcast before. Not in a long time, but it's been mentioned before. He scored 247,450 at Fun Spot on November 17th, 2012. Having said that, I forgot to mention that uh, you get an extra Super Cobra when you reach 10,000 points. Uh-huh. I never reached that 10,000 points. Because this game is effing hard. This is difficult. I'll tell you, the first time I ever played the arcade version of Scramble, I was able to clear the whole thing, and I was able to loop through it at least once. I have not been able to loop this thing without using Continues, and by the time I got to uh, the booty level, uh, what the (laughs) hell is it called again, the base level. Leveling up the booty. I was just so bored with it that I said, you know, I'm not, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not going to finish this. And huh. I was using continues. And here's a fun fact. The Konami version only allows, I think, three continues. It, it doesn't allow you to continue more than three times. The stern version allows you to continue as many times as you want.
0: I heard technically up to 255, but.
1: Oh, really? Okay. Well, that, that kind of makes sense because if, if you tried to go over 255, th- crazy things would probably happen. Now, something that I learned is that there is a memory location in Super Cobra. I think it was 2017. And that memory location, the whole point of it, is to store the number that tells you on screen how many thousand points you have to score to get an extra chopper. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Actually, it's a location. It's RAM location 8017. That's where that number is stored, and it is always set to 10. The belief is that there would have been a dip switch that would have changed that value to another value, like say maybe 12, which meant that it would show you that you require 12,000 points to get a bonus chopper. But the thing is, that memory location is only for display purposes. You could change it to whatever you want. You could change it to one, and it'll tell you bonus chopper for 1,000 points but that's not where the actual logic is held. It's just the, uh, the display. So if you change that, you're still going to need 10,000 points to get the bonus chopper.
0: I just sent uh, Sean, a link to a review of the adventure vision by uh, Willie Culver of arcade oh. USA. And, um, it's got a, s- a sequence of the gameplay of super Cobra on there as well as the other games. And, um, this is a weird machine. Uh, it's It has one row of LEDs, but it uses a spinning mirror to replicate the other rows. Oh, yeah. And uh, so it has more resolution than it, than it actually seems like. So according to Wikipedia, it allows for an effective screen resolution of 150 by 40 pixels.
1: How does it give people headaches like the uh, Nintendo? What the hell is that thing? Virtual Boy?
0: Probably not because you're not wearing it on your eyes. Oh, that's true. Yeah. This looks like it's
1: almost emulated here. Oh, by the way, I just have something I need to interject here. Okay. Link in the show notes. Link in the show notes. So I think that's the end of it. Uh, bye, folks. Oh, wait. No, no, no. Um, Jimmy G. Yes. On our Pie Factory podcast scale, rating scale of one through five continues. Inclusive, mind you. How Inclusive. do you rate Super Cobra?
0: You know what? It might surprise you, but I'm going to rate it a four. Really? I kind of like this one. It's yeah, it's difficult as hell and I do get frustrated with it, but, um, I still have a, a bit of fun with it. As long as I'm not playing the 26, the official 2600 version, which is impossible, but, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, I like this. It's a fun game. It, it, even though it's not a scramble sequel, it does improve upon the scramble formula in some ways, some ways, it you know, it doesn't, but, uh, You know, maybe thinking about maybe I'll rate it a three now that I think about it, because I don't like it quite as much as Scramble, and I but I do like it, but I don't remember uh, what I related Scramble. So you know, I'm going to change that to a three.
1: Well, it doesn't matter whether I remember rating Scramble a three or a four because I'm rating Super Cobra two continues two two because this game pissed me off, it really did. Super Cobra, given that. I can, oh, I have not hmm. reached 10,000 points. I don't know what it's like to score a bonus ship. 10,000 points isn't that many points. It's no, not that it's many. Not. And man, I cannot get, I could not get past level six on the Japanese version because of the uh, continual limitation. And man, it took me about 45 minutes to get to the base level with the American version, which allows you to have up to 255 continues, let's just say. And it's it just seems to me impossibly, annoyingly difficult, and it's so frustrating. And yeah, difficulty is not a reason to bash a game, but when it's so difficult that it makes it unplayable, come on, man. Come on. No, gets a two from me. And I'm going to say I actually enjoyed playing the 2600 version that Parker Brothers did. I, I liked it a lot better. I felt it was much more playable. And mm-hmm. oh, by the way, what, one thing we didn't talk about was how they handle uh, the firing mechanism on on the uh, 2600 Super Cobra. Oh, yeah. Basically, both your weapons fire at the same time because most Atari 2600 joysticks only have one fire button. I think Champ Games can handle... I think their their homebrew version can handle two-button joysticks. I think it will actually identify two separate fire buttons and will determine which mm-hmm. weapon to fire. Hmm. Cause there's nothing in the Atari 2600s. Let's just say programming that won't read a two fire button joystick. It's more right. like it just wasn't packed with one. Ergo, the developers never considered it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, two continues Ooh. for super Cobra from there Sean is a
0: Entex adventure vision emulator,
1: huh.
0: add ADVI emulator. And it's status in alpha, which looks like it hasn't uh, been updated since uh, 2013, oh 2015. My. Huh. Let's see. It's also in retro arch. Wait, is there one on, uh, hold on a second. Is there one on, uh, so yeah, I might uh, try uh, running that. It looks interesting. Hmm. Only four games, so <laughs> going to a lot of trouble for four games. <laughs> yeah, really? That's all right. But- I guess uh, we're all set. Can we uh,
1: shut the uh, window blinds on this? Sure. All right. Do we want to reveal the theme now, or should we address some feedback first? Um, Let's address the
0: feedback. F-E-E-D-B-A-C. Feedback. 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 All
1: right. Since you took the last one, I'd like to take this one. Sure, go right for it. Okay, this one comes from longtime listener. His name is Eugenio, and Eugenio says, Saludos, Jim and Sean. Well, saludos to you, Eugenio. I hope all is well with you. Things have been particularly busy for me, but I've been trying to make a better effort in balancing out my time. I went to Savannah, Georgia, a couple of weekends ago to visit someone you may know, Michael Thomason. I did not know he lives in Savannah. I thought he was up in New York or something. Huh. Hmm. But yeah, I don't know Michael, unfortunately, not personally, at least. Uh, anyway, he goes on to say, you know, the guy who had the record for the largest collection of video games and the owner of Good Deal Games. Uh, yeah, I've ordered several things from Good Deal Games in the past. Yeah, it was a nice visit, and there was plenty to see and do in Savannah. By the way, I will be going to Chicago in mid-June for a medical convention. Maybe we can meet up while I'm there. Huh. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I'll be, I'll still, I'll be in town in mid-June for sure. Huh. Yeah, hit us up uh, there, uh, Dr. Eugenio. Uh, Anyway, uh, he goes on to say, uh, In any case, here's my feedback for today's games, dot dot dot. 1. Silkworm. This is not a game I've played in the arcade, as I didn't know about this game. So, I've watched some videos of this shooter to at least get a sense of the game. It's interesting that the player can choose from a jeep or a helicopter to play. The choice of vehicle actually changes how the game is played if only one player is tackling the enemies, but it also allows for two simultaneous players, one at each vehicle. The arcade version looks really cool, and I know there are versions for the various home computers, Amiga, Amstrad CPC, Atari ST, Commodore 64, ZX Spectrum, and only one home console port for the NES. From watching various videos, It looks like most of the home ports are as fast as the arcade game is, though the look of the game varies quite a bit between computers and the NES version. I think the Amiga and Atari ST ports are the best adaptations of the game, though the NES does a respectable job. I like this type of shooter, so I'll need to keep an eye out for this one when I go to PRGE this year. Oh, man. Yeah, one of these days I will make it to PRGE, but it's not going to be this year. Not going to be this year. Probably not going to be next year either. But uh, anyway, uh, Eugenio goes on to talk about Super Cobra. He says, Now, this game I do know. I've seen this game in the arcade, and I've played some of the home ports as well. In fact, most of my experience comes from the home ports. The game is one tough cookie, but it is one that keeps you wanting to come back to it. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I know, Eugenio. You're that you don't mean me when you say you. <laughs> anyway, um, Many quarters were lost in my attempts to play this game in the arcade. I do still play it if I see the machine at retro events, since I don't have to keep on adding quarters to the machine to play the game. Now, Parker Brothers did release ports of this game for the 2600, 5200, Intellivision, and ColecoVision back in the day, with various degrees of success. I mostly played the 2600 version back then, which is an accomplishment but not the best port of this game. Heck, not even the Intellivision 5200 or ColecoVision ports were so good. Thankfully, Champ Games decided to create a whole new port of this game for the 2600, Super Cobra Arcade. That has to be one of the best home versions of this game. There is also a homebrew version of Super Cobra for the 7800 that was created as a hack of scramble. I was wondering about that. I thought I saw Hmm. that somewhere. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, he says, this version is also quite good, though the tanks do not shoot like in the arcade. Oh, (laughs) boo-hoo. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, I'll be writing an article about Super Cobra and several of the home ports for Old School Gamer magazine coming soon. That's right. Yeah, I've read some of his articles in that, in that magazine. Uh, so that's it for today. Going to the Final Frontier Gaming. Thank you, Eugenio. Thanks for that feedback.
0: Thanks, Eugenio, uh, for your, your feedback, as per usual. It's nice to yeah. have some regular listeners to our show uh, chime in from time to time.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, always nice to hear from Eugenio and anybody else. Uh, you can uh,
0: email us at fab 4 itcom or piefactorypodcast at fab4it.com. And Eugenio, being a, a physician, probably would agree that it's important to be regular.
1: Oh, absolutely. Especially yes. because he's an endocrinologist.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So. those uh, organs to be regular. Eat, drink, and be regular. Yep. Yeah. hmm So uh, let us reveal the theme oh yeah please do uh what what is the theme there JD? okay <clears throat> games with helicopters that are named after living creatures hmm. a silkworm and a super cobra wow yeah Hmm. first are it was just games with helicopters but I'm like ooh, those are aminals so yes I'm like, they are yes even though one's an insect an insect is still technically an aminal oh yeah as i like to say so yeah, that was our theme. So shall we? Uh, how do we normally do this? Do we reveal the games for the next episode, or we do our uh, our patrons? First? Well, here's the thing: remember.
1: people have given us money to keep this podcast going. Why I don't know, but uh, they have, and we <laughs> should accomplish. We accompl- No, we should. Appro- we should acknowledge. We, we, we should acknowledge them. Thank you, and uh, those people who have been so supportive of us. Many of them since literally the day this podcast came out. Richard Valdez, for one, Underground Retrocade, Mark Super, Nate Lockhart, Atari Bytes, Retro Game Club Podcast, D Alex, Mike Hat NJ, the Super NES Podcast, thanks Greg, Plaid Mouse, Kevin Bean, Daniel Chavez, Rory Coleman, Timmy Mack, Keith Sheehan, Kurt Musgrave, Christian Williams, PJ Steele, and we got one more person added to that list. Welcome, (laughs) Dean Schmidt. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you, all of you, for your support and uh, if you want to uh join them and uh get some of the uh extra content that we're going to be publishing really really soon <laughs> listen to what our booth announcer has to say when we are done talking
0: yes so uh what do you say next episode what should we talk about i got an idea oh let's talk about frontline and subrock 3d oh yeah let's
1: let's definitely talk about those twos.
0: oh yes let us definitely do that yeah so I guess it's time to close the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting making good time tonight. Yeah. So, what is it you say tonight?
1: Well, tonight I say the Twain shall meet. Uh huh.
0: And I say support your local arcade, and yeah, that'll be it. Alrighty, we will talk to you all in a couple of weeks. All right, can bye-bye. I hit stop
1: on this stupid thing yet? Oh, we're still on. Oh, sorry. This episode of the Pie Factory Podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening
0: and closing theme is the Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Follow the Pie Factory Podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at patreon.com/slash pie factory podcast.